0: of it even if you are listening to the podcast you may not necessarily be subscribed so you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play i would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released it's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod you are officially a betty in the bettyverse and of course you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops thank you so much
1: but it's, it's you know these are the yeah. things that i think that people are always like i want to fix the thyroid and like what caused the thyroid to go to whack and stress like you got your gut heavy metals and minerals mm-hmm. stress mental stress like please ladies get your butt to bed like if you're not sleeping you're you're yeah. going to want to eat everything in your fridge your thyroid is go- is never going to get better like it's yeah. one of the few things in life that are free
0: Welcome back to the Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hey friends, welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. Today, I sat down with my sister from another Mr. Melissa Ramos. She is a whip smart women's health expert. Uh, she is the brains behind sexy food therapy and she helps women balance their hormones and digestion. She's a nutritionist. She has a background in Chinese medicine and she uses a three pronged approach to uh, health, which is nutrition, supplementation, and lifestyle changes that is gonna help facilitate the healing of her clients. She shares innovative tips and recipes Uh, via her own YouTube videos and I have to say they are hilarious there have been dinosaurs and vulvas and you can if you can think about a costume she has it and it's in her YouTube video uh, repertoire and she's also the health expert for many TV shows CTV is the social she's a TEDx speaker she was named one of Canada's rising stars in the health industry by flair magazine now she and I have been friends for many years, and we have a mutual respect and, I think, adoration for each other. We are both super nerdy, super quirky, and uh, we always get our weird on when we're together. So, really enjoyed this conversation that I had with her. We talked a lot. The purpose of having her on. Today's show was to really talk about essential oils. Now, I have always been a, I've always known just enough to be dangerous with essential oils. I know a little bit about them, but really didn't prior to researching and prepping for our conversation understand the science and the breadth of information that is available on essential oils. And I thought this was interesting because it's, Essential oils are considered relatively unconventional, particularly for people who like to tongue wag on evidence-based practices. But when you go into the lid, there's quite a bit of anti-inflammatory, you know, evidence of anti-inflammatory properties and performance, and just a just a wide range of evidence for efficacy and use. So I wanted to bring her on. She has been more recently an educator and an advocate for essential oils in addition to her work with uh, Sexy Lady Balls, which is her hormone membership program. But I wanted her to really walk us through some of A, her story, because I think her story is incredible and how she has really taken control of her health is something to be applauded and admired. So we talked about her background. We talked about how she got into nutrition in the first place. We talked about her diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune condition, how the carnivore diet really helped with that. So we talked about carnivore and some of the drama around um, a nose to tail, at least in you know perceived drama uh, online and in social media. And then we really moved into essential oils. You know, What are they? How do you use them? We talked about you know, there is a perceived danger around ingesting them. So she addressed the difference between therapeutic grade oils and not uh, contraindications for essential oil use. Um, and then we got into the specifics around essential oils in terms of her breadth of experience on with hashies. So... We talked about labs that we like, that we both like to use for Hashimoto's thyroiditis and common physiological issues. So we talked about gut dysfunction, HPA, dis- uh, HPA axis dysfunction, and liver health. So glucose disposal, insulin regulation, et cetera. And then we walked through all of the essential oils that she liked and very much a very information, this is an information thick. Episodes. So we talked about the efficacy of the oils, how she uses them. We moved into microbiome. We talked about things like clove and lavender and frankincense and myrrh and some of the maybe less well-known essential oils that she uses on the daily as well. Finished off our conversation with a bit of rapid fire, um, rapid fire in terms of essential oil preferences. And I really left this conversation with a better appreciation for how to use essential oils more in my daily life. I already use them relatively frequently, but there was a lot of really great tips and tricks that she shared in terms of how to use essential oils for a, another tool in your health toolbox for leveling up your health. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Melissa Ramos. is such free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's dot com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. Welcome, Melissa.
1: Hey. We're just going to be talking like we're having coffee.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, we were just <laughs> doing that in the pre-chat and uh, I was like, we have to stop talking right now because this is too much. This is, we got to get this in the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to have you on because you are, I, I, I will say this, I've said this too many times, you are my sister from another mister. I have so mm-hmm. much love and adoration for you. So I wanted to do a mind meld with you today on essential oils. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to give people advice on, you know, evidence around their use, you know, dosage, how to use them. I think there's a lot of confusion. You know, we sometimes see online these like outlandish claims. Uh, and this is why I wanted to come to you because I love you because you are evidence-based. So yeah, um, let's talk about, uh, before we dive in, I wanted to uh, maybe just Share with the listener, for those, for those of you listening that are not familiar with Melissa, just, you know, your origin story. I know you have a background in Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. uh, you're a nutritionist, you are, you know, the OG in the online community mm-hmm. in terms of building up a tribe and, and offering. So just, you know, give us a background in terms of, you know, where, you know, what your you know, credentials are and, you know, what you think attracted you to this kind of, this
1: line of work. Yeah. You know, I started out as an ad, an ad exec which is like, I always feel like it's my previous life. And um, I was so miserable doing it. And (laughs) it's so weird, because, you know, when you think you want something, and I wanted to be an ad exec since I was a kid, legitimately, since I was 12, I had a business card from a copywriter from the agency that I ended up working at when I was 24. So when they said, why are you perfect for this job? And I pulled out that Business card, wow. and it, I was like, "Well, I just got that job, you know." <laughs> I got <laughs> nailed I, it, nailed it. But I, <laughs> I got really sick. You know, it's kind of that like that story that you know practitioners have. I got sick. It's why I got into this line of work. But like, yeah. I kind of began in the the whole um, having gut issues, and I had a lot of skin issues. I had a lot of weight issues, and kind of, and I didn't realize I was having all these weight issues. Why I was having them because I never had a problem controlling my weight before. And then when I got an office job from like being on my feet as a server and a bartender, it was like, oh, now I'm not running pounds all day and I'm eating the same foods. Of course I gained weight. So um, at any rate, I got into gut health really. And I started to investigate it through nutrition and saw a nutritionist and did all these eliminations. And back then in my 20s, um, I'm in my 40s now, like gluten was not, a th- like gluten free like people, if you told people that you couldn't eat gluten, they looked at you like you had you know three eyes like they it just wasn't a thing there was no alternatives back then that right. you know gluten free stuff and um people just thought you were doing the atkins diet and I, mm-hmm. but I got such a an amazing um you know physical response from it, and felt so much better that I was like, oh, this was something to this and so I started to study nutrition and started to feel so much better and But things kind of didn't stop there. And I had a past history of a lot of trauma and, you know, from uh, sexual abuse and a lot of physical and emotional trauma. And that just sort of, you know, spiraled out into a lot of distractions, which came to like alcohol and drug abuse and everything. And obviously that really messed up my hormones. So, like, eating well is one thing, but if you're still, you know, binge drinking, you're gonna mess up your hormones, and so um, that was sort of inevitable. And it came to a head when an, a cyst had ruptured and it tore off a piece of my right ovary, and I got rushed to hospital. I didn't know that was what was happening. Um, I just knew that my gut was really bloated, and they said, "Well, we have to do an emergency surgery because all we see is blood to, you know, covering your kidneys. We it's even starting to like rise up to your lungs now." And I remember having this like severe back pain that was. The only thing that actually was the most probably the most painful part was this this horrible back pain that anytime I just even slightly moved my neck, it was like a lightning bolt shot down my spine. And I remember they, you know, we, they put me under and they found the cyst that ruptured it, tore off the ovary, a piece of it at least. And they were able to stitch it up, but they took out over two liters of blood, which is a
0: lot. That's a lot, yeah.
1: You know, and so mm-hmm. I had like blood transfusions and All that. And it was like months of recovery. Like you don't really realize how much you used your gut, but like, you know, sneezing, laughing, coughing, you know, my lungs collapsed in surgery. I had to rebuild those. And it was a really long process. And, you know, one of these things I think that people don't realize and that I didn't even realize was that like, we often don't, we often forget that it took us a long time to get to where we're at. Like it, you know, you've been working at this woman for a long time and it's, (laughs) my situation was no different. So. I was diagnosed, um, later with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition. And, uh, that kind of floored me. And the reason why is because I was so darn tired. And so all these like hormonal things just continually, um, supported the reason why I just became ravenous for hormonal information and why that became a more stronger focus than the digestive part. And so... You know, I like to blend in Chinese medicine because that is my background. And I did study Chinese medicine and I did become an acupuncturist and I did have an in-person practice until I was like, I kind of want to reach a larger demographic. Like, you know, you were a Cairo and it's sort of the same thing, right? And I really wanted to be online for so long and all my colleagues were like, you're just crazy. Like, how are you going to, it's almost like you're you're abandoning what you what you studied so long for. How on earth are you going to translate this? And there's a lot of things I could translate from Chinese medicine. Just because I can't needle people, you know, over a Zoom call, I most certainly can apply a lot of the the principles of it, and I still do. And I think that that you know is a bit of an edge that I think I have um, in this space because it's not just nutrition; it's also that Chinese medicine, medicine, East meets West, sort of um, marriage that I think has um, been quite beautiful.
0: I agree. And I would also add to that, that you also do a lot of mindset work. I remember mm-hmm. one of the first times when I was dabbling in the online space was doing a webinar for, uh, your sexy food, uh, yeah. your, your group on yeah. mindset. So, yeah. uh, I, I would also add, you know, you're also one of the people who integrate it's nutrition, it's exercise. You're very open and honest about those things, but you're also, um, very forthcoming and emphasizing the value of mindset, which I th- which I appreciate.
1: Yeah. I think that people, you know, it's, it's, we talk we hear a lot about mindset. Um, but at the same token, especially in the hormonal space, you can eat what you want. You could have, you know, as many supplements as you want. Um, you can do as much testing as you want. But reality is, is if you are not self-parenting yourself, if you're not looking at these deep, emotional um emotions that are stored in the muscles and the fascia and you probably would know that really well because you know you've worked with the body for how long right like i'm sure that when you crack someone's body there could have been like a really intense emotional response right but like we have to be able to address these things otherwise how we show up into the world is going to really affect every part of our body including our hormones and it's why i always say to people like hormones are superficial meaning that so much affects them Right? Like right. you can address, oh, I've got high estrogen or I've got thyroid issues. I'm gonna address this. It's like cool, but what caused that to go out of whack to begin with? And that's really the the bigger question.
0: I love what you're saying there because that's very mechanistic, right? To say, yeah. oh, it's high estrogen. Well, no, you know, the estrogen doesn't work in you know, you know, divorced from everything else in the body. So yeah, totally agree with you. And yes, I've had many people when I've adjusted them, they have had uh, we call it, I would call it a parasympathetic storm where they just get all this emotion that's been stored in the nervous, you know, the neuromusculoskeletal system and it just comes out. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you have experimented. One of the things I, I admire in you and I, you know, the experimenter in me, you know, sees the experimenter in me, (laughs) You've, you've really done a lot to try and, uh, fix the gut issues that you have experienced and the Hashimoto's. And you have been, uh, you were on Carnivore for a little bit as well. Do you want to kind of go into how that, how you felt that affected you? Uh, Was it, was it a positive experience, negative experience? There's a lot of talk in the media right now. And I was saying to you off, you know, off uh, before we started that I'm going to be talking to uh, Gabrielle, Dr. Gabrielle Leon about, uh, vegan diets and vegetarian diets and meat-only diets and the value of animal proteins versus plant proteins. So, do you want to maybe comment on your experience with the with the carnivore diet?
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of fell into it by mistake. To be completely honest, I was in Bali for five weeks, and prior to going to Bali, I had uh, discovered that I had H. pylori, which is also known as Helicobacter pylori, and it's a um, a bacteria that is associated with peptic ulcers. And so I had eradicated it. But the the thing is, it's funny, I actually shot a video about this. And I always have this like, I think very visually. And so I have this like visual representation of, okay, so H. pylori, it flattens out the stomach acid, and you need stomach acid, because if you don't have the stomach acid, then it's like a whole, it's welcoming a whole host of bacteria and pathogens. So I had this like visual representation of like, H. pylori going, come on guys, come on into the party. And like all these guys are just like dancing in. Right. And that's essentially what happened when I retested my gut was there was like this, it just like, it lit up like a Christmas tree with bacterial, uh, pathogenic bacteria. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And I became incredibly symptomatic. And when I became symptomatic, it was like, it was almost like changing on the symptoms. Like one moment I felt like I had an ulcer. And then the next minute I felt like, could this be SIBO and what's going on here? And it just was so, when I was in Bali, I almost, I was trying to actually find a ticket to go home early because I would be in pain for five hours in the evening, like gut-wrenching pain. I can't stand up, I can't sit down, I can't lie down. It was so awful. And I started to look, like really think, okay, what is it? that I'm eating that is causing me to have so much pain. But for some reason in the morning when I eat, or my first my first meal of the day, because I intermittently fast, that's not causing me pain. And then I realized that first meal, there was like a little restaurant that this is crazy for Bali because you Bali's like vegan smoothie bowls, etc. Mm-hmm. But I would have like eggs, uh, duck eggs. I'd have um, sausages, bacon. It was like a, a very pro- high protein breakfast. And I'd eat that and it was fine. And you know, here I am like testing all these different foods. Like maybe I'll have congee because that's like a big thing in Chinese medicine. Pain, like everything, pain. Until I was like, I'm just gonna have high protein and let's just see what happens. It was like literally flipping a switch. I had zero pain. So much so that I remember speaking to um, my online business manager, and she goes, "You actually sound like a different person." And I'm like, right. "Okay, I can do this." So I stayed, and some of my staff came over um, to the the villa because it was kind of like a part retreat as well. And it's kind of hard because I know that they want to like check out some of the restaurants. And so at that time, I had actually gotten a Cyrex Array 10 panel, and now this is a food intolerance panel, and not all food intolerance panels are created equally. So this one what's great about the Cyrex and this is not a plug for them by any stretch, but for personal gain, but more so that Cyrex tests the, the protein, right? So understand that, you know, for me, for example, uh, cooked broccoli is fine, but raw broccoli would not be a good idea for me to have. It was because they have these red light, yellow light, green light foods. And so I, saw when I came back, I was mortified. I legitimately was intolerant to pretty much everything I was eating. Olives, coconut, like just everything. You were intolerant like,
0: to olives? Olives. What a cruel existence. Mara. Oh, you want to know what's even imagine. more cruel?
1: Avocado, garlic. No. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, this is, this is awful. And I thought, okay, well, I just got to avoid these foods. And you know, I'm in Bali. So Oddly enough, I can have bananas on my Cyrex panel, but the thing that I want to also preface with this is that just because it says you're intolerant doesn't mean that that is a forever thing. As you heal the gut, a lot of these um, intolerances are going to go away, really. And so I think some of the ones that are really strong may not. Um, hopefully they will, but they may not. But that other ones that were kind of mild, I think I should be okay with. But, you know, I... Did the best I could when I was in Bali. I did have some of the foods that I was oak- in the green light for, um, some fruits that I could have. So it was kind of like about eighty percent carnivore, eighty to ninety percent carnivore in Bali, and I felt just a massive remission in pain. Um, I definitely my inflammation went down substantially, like substantially. And I do a lot of yoga as it is, but like all of a sudden I have like a six pack of abs, and I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of cool. I get back now. I don't know about you, but um, jet lag really—it's an—it does a number on me, it and me. Yeah. it's awful. I came yeah. back um, in business class, so I'm in a pod and everything, and it's all cush. But i luckily I did. But like 15 hour time difference is no small feat. It took me about two and a half weeks to recover. But I was waking up with a swollen face, like eyes swollen shut, like my adrenals, which just, had just crashed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, at that time, I was already pretty iron deficient. And for those listening in who have thyroid issues, iron is incredibly important. But when a lot of people have low iron, again, it becomes this symptomatic thing. Well, okay, I'll just take iron supplementation, but it becomes a much longer conversation of like, well, why is it that you have low iron? And Um, H. pylori, which is a very common co-infection in a lot of hormonal conditions like Hashimoto's or PCOS or fibroids or endo, um, you know, I I end up seeing that um, H. pylori, because it flattens out stomach acid, A, you're not able to liberate iron from food. And it also predisposes you to the risk of getting uh, a parasite called blastocystis ominous, which is just loves to eat and munch away on iron. Um, I haven't been tested positive for that. So I'm, I'm happy. But that was probably the reason why I was so iron deficient. You need iron to convert your inactive thyroid hormone to your active thyroid hormone. And so when I got back, I felt like it was a bit of a perfect storm. So it's one of those things where when I did carnivore and I was coming back, I started to see I went full carnivore for a month. And all of a sudden, my thyroid issues began to get a little bit worse. Now, the reason why I don't necessarily blame carnivore is because, was it carnivore or was it a perfect storm? I had jet lag and massive adrenal fatigue. I, my ferritin levels were at a six. And for those who don't know what ferritin is, it's your storage form of iron. So I was having problems breathing because my iron was so low. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's one of those things where all of a sudden I looked at my hands and they were like peeling, like peeling of skin coming off. Um, I got my period. You showed for, me,
0: I remember when you were over, you showed me your hands. I remember. Oh, it was, yeah. it was
1: so, I was so self-conscious about it. Um, mm-hmm. my hair started to fall out, uh, quite a bit. And, um, in addition to that, um, my T3 was quite low on my updated blood work. Mm-hmm. Now, understand the reason why I don't blame carnivore necessarily for this is because my my ferritin was add a six. Your ferritin levels, from a lab perspective, I think it's around twenty one to a hundred. Functionally, it should be fifty to hundred. Like that's like people look at me like, how are you even functioning? Of course I'm going to lose hair. Of course that my T3 is going to be low if I'm not converting my T4 because I have no iron. Right. So I started to take iron patches um, from a company called Patch MD. And legitimately within four days, I felt like a completely new person. So if you were to ask me now, it's like, well, do you do carnivore now? My question, my answer would be, yes, carnivore-ish. So (laughs) I, yeah, ish. So I do carnivore-ish in the sense that um, I am, I... It's so funny because there's so many caveats. I do carnivore-ish and I'm and I'm OMAD. I'm a flexible OMAD, which is like a one meal per day. But, you know, my first meal of the day is probably at around like noon, maybe, maybe one o'clock. It's quite mm-hmm. later in the day. Um, and I'll have quite a large meal and I'll have like steak, which is probably my favorite, and I'll have raw bone marrow and I'll have some duck yolks, uh, raw duck yolks. Um, I might have some uh, duck liver as well. And people are like, wow, that's pretty hardcore. But I do tend to add in some carbs around day one and two of my cycle, and then day 19 and day 20. And truthfully, if I feel like I need a little bit more, because intuitively that's what I feel like I need, then I will add more. And usually when I feel like I need more, it's probably around the second half of my cycle, right? Because we go into that sympathetic nervous system phase, and that's when the body's like, you know, I kind of want more. If I want a little bit of chocolate, I'm going to eat a little bit of chocolate. So I do, I say ish because I'm a little bit more flexible with it, I think than most people, but I do feel it's like night and day and it's, there's a lot of hate on from various communities about carnivore, but I really feel that it's been like a game changer for me in, in many ways.
0: And I love, I love what you're saying here in terms of intuitive eating, because you had just mentioned two times in your cycle. I mean, we are not, this is the one thing I really want to get across to the women that are listening. We are not little men. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of men, like there are a lot of male, you know, uh, well-known in the online space who do carnivore, who do keto, who do fasting for several days at a time and i think that's all great i've learned quite a bit from all yeah. of these doctors and professionals but there's not a lot of research and data to support that for women at yeah. all at all and you just brought up a really great point you know you are day 19 day 20 21 we know progesterone is rising at that point yeah. we are getting a stimulatory effect on our appetite and if you are not honoring your biology, that unique female physiology, you are you are denying your hormones, you are denying your system what it needs. So I love, I just thank you for saying that. Um, I also wanted to bridge this conversation. And I'll also say with carnivore, I think that the long-term studies aren't in yet. It's sort of a newer thing, but for a lot of people with autoimmune conditions, you have this anecdotal, like over and over and over these women that are saying nothing else worked for me. I did keto. It was okay. I took out all the vegetables and all of a sudden I went into remission. Like you hear that over and over again. And SIBO too. And SIBO as well.
1: Like it's just, it it really is remarkable. So like, I know this, I want it to be super transparent about this. Like account of carnivore because I, I have spoken to several very well-known female um, in the online space who are car- who are notably carnivore, like openly carnivore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say openly because it's like almost like a, <laughs> oh my coming God, coming out of a yeah. closet, I <laughs> eat only meat and no vegetables. Right, but like, right, right. I want to be super open about that because I know some of them have had their battles with carnivore that they haven't shared, Right. right. Because I've always said, like, you can, like, labels, I think, sometimes can limit us. And that's something really important to understand is, like, you have to do what's right for your body. And did I go back to carnivore? Yeah, I did. But I went to carnivore-ish because of the fact that now I can add in the things that I know are not, like, creating an autoimmune inflammatory response. And I've been feeling amazing. My periods are are totally fine. I'm still getting my period. I'm sleeping okay. I don't have the scaly hands anymore. My hair stopped falling out. My hair was falling out so bad that when I blow dried it, there was actual hair on the walls, not on the floor, on the walls. Jesus, Because that's how hard it was from just blow drying it. And so, Mm -hmm. but that Mm -hmm. probably was more of a, a factor of, I didn't have any iron.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if you can ascribe that to the carnivore because, you know, when we, when you're eating nose to tail, you are getting a lot, you're getting sort of a, you know, there's people that talk about this complete package is almost if you only eat the steak, you're having half of the multivitamin, but you're having the liver and the brains and the hearts and the, you know, you're, you're getting at least the argument is that you're getting most of the nutrients that you need, the vitamins yeah. and, and all of that.
1: And they're also more bioavailable too. Like we, you know, I think there's a photo running around online or something that's like compares like broccoli to steak, same amount of protein. I'm like, yeah, but is it bioavailable protein? Right. Right. Cause like right. the nutrients are more bioavailable and that's what, that's what has to, and there's have a to different really amino ask acid.
0: Ourselves. There's a different amino acid profile. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's all those things to consider. Yeah. So Let's move into essential oils because Mm -hmm. you have more recently been uh, more of an an educator and an advocate for essential oils. And I know just enough about them to be (laughs) dangerous. So I, (laughs) just enough. And it's funny when I was, when I was prepping for our conversation, I realized that I'm actually a moderate to potentially heavy user of them. Really? Yeah. I use, I use it as, um, I have, uh, there's one, uh, this is a company that I use called doTERRA Wh- the whisper is my yeah. perfume or balance is my perfume. Yeah, I use lemon. I'm wearing balance now. You're <laughs> wearing balance. Yeah. I love balances. I love that one. Um, I don't know what's in it, but I, I put it on my feet. It's my perfume. When I go out, I have, I put lemon in vinegar when I'm cleaning. like lemon, the lemon essential oil. When I'm cleaning yeah. my house, I put on my kids, I diffuse, um, a lavender blend. it's called serenity. That's right. I either put it on their feet or I diffuse it in the diffuser that's in their. like all these different things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually use this all the time, but I want the expert, you to sort of walk us through. I want you to be our sherpa, basically. So I <laughs> want you to walk us through what's going on. so let's let's define first what, an essential oil is. And I want to, I'm a big word nerd, so I want to know why we call them essential. So when I first learned this, I'm like, is it because they're like essential amino acids, like we don't produce them? Or is it, does it have to do with the plant itself? Like what, tell, explain what essential oils are and why they're named that way.
1: Sure. So they're, they're natural aromatic compounds found in plants. Okay. And they can come from roots, seeds, stems, uh, barks, um, and they're extracted and they're distilled. And they've got these incredible potent health benefits. But the reason why they're called essential oils, so let's break down the word essential oil. So oils, like if I've got an oil that's from rosemary, it's the oil from rosemary. If I've got an oil that's from copaiba, then it's the oil from copaiba. But the reason why it's essential is because of the fact that it actually really helps to understand that it's it represents the very essence of the flavor And even more so even the odor and odor sounds like it's a bad word, but like the smell Mm. of it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's why you get these essential um, oil. And that's what that comes from. Now, what people also have to understand is there are no nutrients found in oil. So it's not like you get vitamins and minerals and stuff like that's not what you're getting from it. What you're getting from it are various constituents that are found within these oils. And each oil is going to have various different constituents to it. Right. Like, there's linalool, there's limonene, and we're going to talk about some of those that actually make a lot of these oils so freaking powerful. Um, you know, and I, I think that especially with the essential oil market, much like the olive oil market, if anyone knows anything, olive oil, olive oil can be incredibly misleading because it could be dyed green. It could be cut with canola oil or soy oil and essential oils. A lot of them out there are adulterated, you know? And adulteration for those people who don't understand, it's like adding in chemicals or natural. Putting my bunny ears up for people yeah. listening on audio. She's air quoting um, right now. Air quoting yeah. <laughs> um, or synthetic fossil fuels that are in there to create the oils. You know, and just because something says organic doesn't really necessarily mean very much in the in the the perspective of, well, where was the actual plant sourced from? It's organic. Okay, it's on an organic farm, but then is a non-organic farm beside it is it is it like the organic certification is something that has been given to north america like to canada or the states right we've got our own labels but like lavender for example is a really good representation of this where it's actually in the high fields in france right Mm -hmm. now we know in france like in europe it's very vastly different so when people say it's just lavender organic and i'm like no it's from france like You know, like, so we get really tied up in this, in this term of organic and, oh, well, for example, like I only trust doTERRA because of the fact that I know that the purity um, is absolutely everything. Like, and you can even understand that even from smelling the various oils. Like I remember when I first um, started buying some doTERRA, I was incredibly reluctant about it. So reluctant. I thought it was a cult and it kind of is. And I, now I kind of get it. But I was talking with a girlfriend, I was in New York and she was, she was using them. She's using on guard actually, because she was getting a cold.
0: Oh, I use that one. That's another one I use. When I feel like getting sick, I put it like just under my nose or my kids yeah. too. I do that for my kids. Yeah.
1: It's a great oil. It's one yeah. of the staples. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you're one of those, aren't you?
0: <laughs> right. She's like,
1: <laughs> she's like, what? You're one of those. And she goes, you don't use them? And I said, no, because it's like everybody and their sisters contacted me about them. And I really don't feel like I don't want to get into this, right? Like, and also, I also need someone to explain them to me a bit more so that I understand that there's something behind it, especially given that, like, if I'm going to be promoting something that I use, it's not just like, hey, use this. It's my family's also using it. I'm diffusing oils right now. I have two dogs, right? Like, we ingest it through inhalation. So I ended up speaking to um, the people that she got essential oils through and the woman was a functional medical doctor. So it, it, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we speak the same language. And so I started to buy some of the oils and I did keep an essential oil peppermint from another company. And I hung on to it because I was like, I already have it. I'm not going to buy the peppermint from doTERRA. And when I did, and I smelled it, the smell is absolutely different like it's remarkable and you really can smell the purity in the product. And truthfully, they pride themselves on testing. In fact, every single bottle of oil, uh, that, that doTERRA has, has an ID number at the bottom of it that you could look up on source to you.com mm-hmm. and it tells you the batch number. Right. And there's also something to be said about like, are they raping and pillaging the land how are they treating workers in these small farms right are they building relationships are they paying people on time like all these things kind of matter because it's it's we have to understand our impact on the world and in the environment when we're making choices for our health which I think is we are so removed in the modern day even with meat for example right like you're buying a pretty you know piece of chicken breast that's like you know self like you know just nicely packaged. Mm-hmm. Essential oils are no different. We we don't really think about like how did it actually come to the point that now we have this bottle of copaiba that you know is very difficult to extract from trees, right? And this so, is the
0: difference I think between therapeutic grade versus things that you can just buy anywhere that just smell yeah. good.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they really had to come up with like they were like oh you know they're certified they're therapeutic grade. This is something that they've just come up with in terms of um, their own labeling, and I'm like, well, they had to. Like, there is no, there was no standard in the industry whatsoever. It doesn't mean that they, they don't do third-party testing because they do. Mm-hmm. They invest in quite a bit, right? So that's also something to also understand about um, just the company in general. But you know, essential oils are abs has been absolutely powerful, which is one of the reasons I got into it. But yes, very reluctantly.
0: So let, this, this bridges this next question, because I think that there's some confusion in terms of how we use essential oils. I have always understood them to, you know, you can diffuse them, you can inhale them like I have. Uh, actually, another way that I use essential oils is I have, I usually will sniff my grapefruit right before <laughs> I go onto a podcast. I don't know why I do it, but I just really like it. Um, I feel like it wakes me up a bit. So, can you explain how we use them? And there's Mm -hmm. been, you know, especially when we think about inhalation um, and taking them internal. Sorry, not inhalation. Pardon me. uh, Digestion when we take the the essential oils internally. Mm -hmm. There has been. This was one of the questions that came up in the Better Community around the safety of doing that, and that's why I brought up the therapeutic grade because if you have just something that's perfumed nicely, that isn't necessarily the essence of the plant or the, you know, the purpose, you know, you haven't extracted the, the compound efficiently, this is going to potentially change the physio, you know, the physiological effects that you have in the body.
1: Yeah. And I, there are multiple ways to ingest it. And if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel good about taking it orally, you don't have to, like you can ingest it through like you know, having it in a diffuser and diffusing it. Yeah. You could rub it on a carrier oil. And one of my favorite carrier oils is fractionated coconut oil. And the reason why that I use fractionated coconut oil uh, quite often is because people think that like, oh, well, I'm, um, it's diluting the oil. And like it's not making it weaker. We have to understand that. So fractionated coconut oil is best, A, because um, it's not an overpowering oil, but it, it's because it makes the fatty acid chains separate out into this liquid consistency. So the difference between fractionated coconut oil and, say, for example, um, like your coconut oil that you have for cooking, is that the coconut oil that you have for cooking is much thicker. So you're not going to allow for that rapid absorption. And the thing to also realize is that when we're when we're putting it um, on a fractionated coconut oil, which are which all the roller bottles have in them, right? the reason why that they do that is because if you put essential oils on your skin neat, of which some of which you have to be careful with you what happens is they can actually um evaporate faster so when we have something that has a fraction of coconut oil it allows for it to penetrate it allows for it to actually stay on the skin a little bit longer um so you're getting those those benefits from it so i really Um, like to actually use uh, a carrier oil with it, you can also use jojoba, you can use almond as well. Um, You definitely uh, can put it on your, your feet, that's also another great way. But when it comes to, when I say internal use, meaning orally, we have to understand that for thousands of years, humans have ingested plants and extracts as herbal products, and teas from leaves and flowers, and all of which contain essential oils, okay? oils first have an effect on the local tissues, which can be probably felt a bit more strongly when they're applied internally compared to applied on the skin because the nerves in the mucosa are closer to the surface. Right? So oftentimes, you know, we we know that the mucosa we get scared thinking like, Oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be bad because the mucosa is more fragile. The skin is thicker. Totally get it. But you also have to realize this is that the mucosa has protective benefits that are conducive to many essential oils. So when the essential oil contacts the mucosa, and I'm pointing to my hand, um, pretending as though that's the mucosa, they're absorbed to a degree. Okay, and at the initial point of contact, they're absorbed to a degree. But the cool thing is that they're going to be continually diluted by the mucus. Okay, so with when you're taking it internally, there, there have been And doTERRA has actually done quite a bit of uh, studies, but even on PubMed, there's lots of studies to show how uh, various oils have been used internally and have been beneficial to people, to people's health. So, for example, um, the constituent limonene, okay, limonene is um, a constituent found in your grapefruit seed uh, or your uh, grapefruit oil. Uh, It's also found in lemongrass as well. Um, It's in the citrus oils, essentially. And what it does is it helps to protect the stomach mucosa, um, and that's been shown in preclinical studies. And I've used lemongrass in particular, um, which is, I've used it either on its own or even in a formula called DDR Prime, um, because that formula, which has many other things that we'll talk about, other um, essential oils, but lemongrass in particular has been shown to be helpful against H. pylori, and as you know, I was talking about earlier. H. pylori is that bacteria that's associated with peptic ulcers, and it's a massive co-infection. And you know, this is when people uh, they get really nervous about taking it. If you feel nervous about taking it, then don't. You can diffuse it, you can put it on your skin, but it does have a protective, limonene has a protective effect without affecting normal stomach acid secretion, gastrin enzyme secretion, or even glutathione production. So I I think that there's a lot of fear. I think that the fear is a a good fear to have in the sense that because there are so many oils out there that are adulterated, we have to be careful. Um, But there are many essential oils that I do use internally from putting it in my water, uh, putting essential, I put cardamom in my coffee, um, cause I love the taste of cardamom. Oh, That's it's a also, great
0: idea. I like that.
1: Yeah. It's like I one like drop that. of cardamom in your coffee really helps to soothe the nervous system. And we know that caffeine can be quite stimulating for some people for their nervous system, specifically me. Like I'll usually cut my coffee with like a little bit of decaf just because it can't handle too much of the caffeine. Um, You know, cinnamon we've seen um, in studies even shown to help to boost progesterone status in women. Um, It also helps with blood sugar regulation as well. Um, The grapefruit that you have is probably one of my favorite essential oils. But, and the reason why that I love it so much is because A, it shunts cortisol, which is fabulous. And it also helps to increase lipolysis. So it burns fat, which is amazing. So one of the ways that I love to actually use grapefruit and um, cinnamon is I combine them both in my water, which oh, that's just for people who are listening in, always salt your water. So for like one liter of water that I drink, I'll put like about a half a teaspoon of sea salt. And so, and I'll put the essential oils in there.
0: I'll also, someone once told me that grapefruit is really good at reducing the appearance of cellulite. Mm. So, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I was like, I'm going to just take all the help that I can get. So I will sometimes <laughs> put a couple of drops. drops, co- I, I moisturize my skin with coconut oil in the evening. So I'll just, you know, coconut oil with a couple of drops of the grapefruit and, you know, on the glutes and on the back of the legs as well. I don't know if there's any, anything behind that, but I was like, you know what? It's natural. I, it's, and I have it anyway. So.
1: Well, that's the thing is like, you know, and, and I mean, I have... I have some little pinches that have been there since I was 17 years old. Oh, they're just, yeah.
0: They're just permanent residents. Yeah.
1: They're just, you're just, yeah, they're just there. So I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Wink. Um, (laughs) but, and with that said, with the grapefruit, um, what I do want to caution people on, um, are some cautions about essential oils in the fact that grapefruit is a phototoxic oil. So a lot of these citrus oils are phototoxic. And what that means is that they can, if they're applied neat onto the skin, meaning no carrier oil, just directly on the skin They can cause the skin to be more susceptible to burns. Now I didn't under, I didn't realize this when I first started to use it. I was like, Oh, great I love it. I ran myself a nice like bath. I put some grapefruit in there and I was like, Oh my God, my bum. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I felt I was on fire. Yeah. So that's one thing I do want to caution people on is just watch out for the some phototoxic oils. Uh, lavender actually can be that way as well. Um, can, uh, be phototoxic. So you just want to make sure that you're applying that carrier oil as well.
0: Yeah. And thank you for saying that because the extremist in me is like, neat, 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 neat. I don't (laughs) want to, I want the full concentration. I don't want to dilute it. Like that's my, that's my, you know, uh, that's where I start. So I appreciate that explanation. And for people that are not comfortable with, you know, with ingesting the oils, would you say, you know, when I think about, if you're inhaling them, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be taken up from the olfactory nerves. And then from there, um, you know, when you're stimulating the, the olfactory nerves, it goes directly into the, like the, your smell, your sense of smell is one of the oldest cranial nerves and, and senses that we have. So once we have the olfactory bulb picking up that scent, it's going to be transferred to the thalamus or the or the limbic system, which is the center for our emotions, and then also when we think about the ingestion into the into the pulmonary system, yeah. you know when they reach the lungs, they can pass from the alveoli into the bloodstream, and then you know many of these essential oils can cross the blood brain barrier as well. Yeah. So there's 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 indirect ways. You know, if you're not comfortable with the inhalation bit of it, uh, and I've never tried, I've never tried to inhale it, so I will. I'm going to try to, but maybe some. I'm thinking of like lemon some of the lemon that I use, um, I actually use it for cleaning, but just putting some in my water or maybe even the grapefruit. uh, You can still smell them and still have that indirect. You can still get it into the body, into the bloodstream that way as well.
1: Oh, a thousand percent. And lemon also is amazing for taking labels off of bottles, just a side note. Oh, that's a good idea. Like it okay. takes it right off.
0: <laughs> Is there anybody that should not be using, before we kind of get into, I want to talk about thyroid health and I want to talk about your experience with, with Hashimoto's thyroiditis mm-hmm. and your EOs. Is there anyone, are there any country indications for essential oil use? Is there people that,
1: yeah, like, I,
0: populations that should not be using it?
1: I would be a little bit careful. Um, well, several things. So um, I love peppermint. I still use peppermint with women who are breastfeeding, but very cautiously. And I say that in the respect of Um, peppermint can slow down milk production. Um, so you gotta be a little bit careful if you're breastfeeding. So I wouldn't be taking peppermint internally. Um, and when I say I use it, I I still do use it sometimes because if they put like, if, if I've got a breastfeeding woman who is like got some really bad migraines and she's using like the peppermint touch. So any of the touches from doTERRA are mixed with the fraction coconut oil and she just rubs a little bit on, on her temples it's not going to be the end of the world. She's not going to stop producing milk. But like, it's just when women are like putting it on and like taking a deep breath and they're taking it internally. So that's where I would kind of caution it. Um, If you have pets, you got to be careful. Um, A lot of people, there's this school of people who are like, Oh my God, it's going to kill your dog and your cats. And I'm like, actually, if you look up Dr. Rourke, R O A R K. Um, She's an amazing vet, and she talks a lot about essential oils. Um, She's a wealth of info, but uh, one of the things that she has caution about is don't diffuse the mints. Um, The mints um, are the ones that you want to stay away from with dogs. Um, And uh, the ones that actually work really well for pets are uh, lavender, uh, which also serenity would be really good. I I diffuse serenity. Uh, Copaiba, also really great. Um... And I love Copaiba, um, but uh, those two oils in particular, like my dogs, I have two dogs you probably would never have known and one's a puppy. And I'm diffusing, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be on this interview. So Mm -hmm. Copaiba and Lavender right now are diffusing and we don't hear my dogs. No
0: barking, no craziness, No barking, no craziness,
1: you know? So, um, and you know, you can add, um, uh, if you dilute, if you end up diluting these oils, And usually with pets, I kind of treat them almost like they're they're babies, meaning in the fact that the ideal um, dilution. So for babies, if you had like a roller bottle, for example, um, which is like a 10 mil roller bottle, for example, I would put like one maybe two drops of oil uh, in the roller bottle, and then I would fill it up with fractionated coconut oil. And I say one to two, because it depends on the size of the dog. Like my dogs are about 30 pounds each, right? And the, the second one will probably end up going to be about 75 pounds, which in that case, I probably would put two drops in there. With essential oils, less is more. And that's when people start to go, oh my God, but they're so expensive. I'm like, but are they? Because at a 15 mil bottle, you're looking at a 15 mil bottle has 250 drops. You know, take the price of that the wholesale cost if you have a membership, and it's actually quite inexpensive given how much you use. So for babies, like, for example, I, you got to be careful with how much you're using. Um, you can put one drop, you know, for a carrier uh, oil bottle like this, like a roller bottle. Mm-hmm. Toddlers, I would do two drops. Young children, I probably would do about four uh, drops. And then for teens, I probably would end up doing six. And then for adults, um, I do about ten, maybe even up to fifteen. Um, and again, you can use any carrier oil, fractionated. Um, I don't do generally olive because it has much a more stronger scent to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, have used it, but um, you really, really can use them. And with babies, I've seen people put like lavender is a really popular one. They put them on the base of their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, even diffusing it can be so powerful. So like, again, if you don't feel comfortable with it, it's not about like, okay, I got to argue this point to death, which is what we do on social media until, you know, you're just bashing somebody until like they are on the ground. It's like, cool. Then if you don't feel comfortable using it internally, then just use it topically. Or and just, just don't. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. It's all good. That, that easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> social media is sometimes I think it's the worst neighborhood on the planet. Like people yeah. can just be so yeah just so much there's so much trauma response you just want to reach out and say I'm sorry you feel this way man but, <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry i'm so sorry yeah and i've seen and I, I bring that up because i've seen people attack i've been attacked in in some ways for some of the articles that i've written mm-hmm. and some of the theories that I proposed on keto for women and you know why women have different brains, uh, you know serotonergic pathways and stuff um, and i've you know received things, but you have received some of, you get all the crazies. I don't know yeah. what it is. Uh, yeah. We were talking about this, you know, you were just talking about this post that you just did on steak versus protein powder and people <laughs> are losing their mind.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because all of a sudden it's it legitimately, it wasn't even comparing it to, a, it was steak comparing it to a protein powder and it wasn't even a vegan protein powder. It was a protein powder. And then all of a sudden I have vegans yelling at me saying, unfollowing. And I'm like, See ya. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know where at some point you thought this comparison that had nothing to do with veganism, where you thought this song was about you, because it wasn't. Right. Like, but people will, I always say that the internet is like, the, the clitoris has- over 8,000 nerve endings, but it's even, it's not even as sensitive as people on the internet. Like you can't fucking (laughs) say anything these days. You know what I mean? It's like people get so bent up out of shape. It's like, if you have a problem with somebody, especially if it's a colleague, which is another huge beef of mine and I'll get off my soapbox. But like, if you have a problem with a colleague in your industry, do me a favor and have the absolute, like integrity to contact them privately, Because if somebody was at, if you were at their home at a party and they said something that you didn't agree with, you wouldn't be like, excuse me, everybody, let Mm -hmm. me say about how I disagree with that person right there. You probably would go up to them privately and talk to them. And so where- Can you explain? Yeah.
0: Can you explain yourself so I can better understand your position?
1: Let's yep. get curious. Let's not let's get not get on a point of like attacking people. So these people just need more essential oils in their world and They, need more, essential
0: they need more lino, they need more <laughs> lavender. They need more, they need more, <laughs> <laughs> more lavender. <laughs> I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction. With the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna, it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount, that is sunlighten, dot com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. All right. Let's move into Hashimoto's thyroiditis. You mentioned mm. briefly when we were talking about your origin story, you know, that you were diagnosed with it, but let's define it specifically for the user, what it is. Yeah. Um, and then we can maybe talk about labs that you, you've already mentioned, the, uh, the Cyrix array, but typically what labs you like for it. And then we can uh, move into essential oils from there.
1: Yeah, so Hashimoto is the interesting thing, I was diagnosed back in twenty seventeen. And if I did not have the proper blood work, um, I never would have found out I had it. And this part always drives me a little bit crazy because it's a big issue. It's a big issue. It's a big issue, yeah. We have we're testing where people are going to their doctors and they're getting T4 or so they get TSH, and maybe T4 tested. And TSH is your thyroid stimulating hormone. T four is your inactive thyroid hormone. There's total T4, there's, you know. Free T4, um, it's just not enough to understand what's going on with the thyroid, and so right. um, you need your T3, your free T3 tested because you want to also see like you know how much actual bio like like available T3 do I have. You need your free T4 tested, but you also need your reverse T3 tested, and so for people not knowing what that is, I always kind of think of it as like this dead hormone because. When you're not, when you are under a great amount of stress, and please let me caveat the fact that this, when I say stress, we often think mental stress, but stress is anything that stresses the body. So whether that's heavy metal toxicity, that's like, you know, gut dysbiosis, that could be that form of stress. Maybe it is a mental stress that's going on what happens is we have these stressors, your cortisol levels, which is that hormone released in response to stress. It is not a bad hormone. People associate it with that because they think, oh, my cortisol, cortisol is bad. No, it's not. It actually can be quite anti-inflammatory, but you know.
0: That's actually the intended function of cortisol. It's a counter-regulatory hormone. It's supposed to to be anti-inflammatory, oppose the effects of insulin. Yep.
1: But people, you know, they're, they're thinking it's all bad, but you know, if your cortisol levels are out of whack and they are mismanaged, the problem is, and they're, they're pumping out harder than a kid at Jersey shore. They're like, you know, it's going to like really mess up this conversion of T4 into T3. Remember we spoke about iron helping that conversion. Well, you know, if there is a lot of stress that is mismanaged that conversion is not going to happen from T4 to T3. And then as a result, you're going to have this reverse T3 that's going to be elevated. And your body really can't do anything with it. It's just kind of sitting there. And from a Hashimoto perspective, the reason why I talk about this and why it's so important is because it affects, this autoimmune thyroid condition affects 97% of women who have hypothyroidism. And in addition to that, many women are going, undiagnosed because their thyroid antibodies are not being tested. This is a really big issue. You know, we've got uh, thyroid peroxidase antibodies. We've got thyroglobulin. Um, The thyroglobulins were really interesting because when I see that one elevated on um, blood tests, I also have to ask myself as a practitioner, is there high levels of estrogen? Because sometimes estrogen can actually boost that up. So does the woman also have Fibroids. Oftentimes, women who have fibroids or PCOS, like these estrogen-driven conditions, will also subsequently end up having a thyroid condition. You know, we often kind of try to like compartmentalize these conditions, but you know, the body really does work as like a symphony. Like it all kind of is supposed to work together. So those antibodies, it's it's an absolute must to get them tested because in 2017, when I got tested. There was like everything looked fine even from a functional level it would have looked fine Mm -hmm. but those antibodies you know were like 150 another one was almost 200 um just under 200 and you know like wow this would explain why i'm so darn tired and why explains I'm, i'm so fatigued and depressed and you know i just don't feel well so i testing is so important and we need to get this tested Every three to maximum six months, um, but how can you possibly? I ask myself this: How can I possibly expect uh, patients to value blood work when they've never actually been taught to do so? They go to a, a you know a doctor's office. They sit for you know half an hour waiting for their appointment. They go in and they're ushered out after ten minutes and being told everything is normal when they don't feel normal. You know, so in A lot of the work that I do in my membership, Sexy Lady Balls, I actually go through blood chemistry analysis to show that please don't come to me with like one thing like, see, this is elevated. What does it mean? And I'm like, I don't know, because I need to see the patterns. Right. Right. Like what's your cholesterol like? Cause guess what? If you have high cholesterol, that also could be showing me that there could be some liver dysfunction and there could be some thyroid stuff going on. Like it's not just about one marker. It's not just about your thyroid markers when it comes to thyroid health. It's also about your iron. It's about your liver enzymes. Like we need to see the whole picture and your patient history. Cause it's not just about paper. It's about the actual person.
0: Yeah. And this is the one thing where I feel the allopathic model continues to fail women and women's medicine where we are just looking at the TSH levels we are mm-hmm. just looking at T4 and to your point you know the the antibodies are not being looked at and women i have i can't tell you how many times i've heard this in practice it's just i was told everything was normal yeah. i was told everything was normal and it's so frustrating because then the woman she goes to practitioner after practitioner and the blood work looks air quotes normal so she starts thinking that there's something wrong with her she thinks you know, she's crazy. She thinks that she's, she's batshit crazy. And yeah. it's, it's such a relief when we have advocates like you who are saying, yeah, you need to look at your TPOs and your antibody levels, and we need to be looking at the entire picture. Yeah. So let's look, you've been touching on this a little bit. What are some of the common other co-factors, you know, physiological issues that we see with hashes? You've already talked about intestinal hyperpermeability. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit yeah. and some of the other things that you typically see.
1: Well, with with, um, Hashimoto's, when people say, I've had Hashimoto's, now, like, what do I do to fix my Hashimoto's? Again, it's, I I don't actually, I think a lot of practitioners get a little bit um, bent out of shape with me when I say this. I don't believe in what's the root cause, because I believe that there are causative factors. One thing did not create your Hashimoto's, and maybe it's semantics in terms of what I'm saying, but like, that's what I think. It's like one of the, the causative factors behind Hashimoto's is gut permeability. Like we have that leaky gut because you didn't get to where you are. If your body didn't start to think that everything that's various things that you're eating, like look at how many things I'm intolerant to a ton that these things are invaders and you're starting to develop this, this, um, inflammatory autoimmune flare up and response. Where sometimes our immune system, which as much as I'd like to think it's perfect, it's not. It gets confused and it starts to attack thyroid tissue instead. Um, other things that are very much needed to understand is our mineral balance. And Very few, I don't want to say very few, but not many practitioners are talking about this. I think that there's more of a resurgence about this now. But the reason why mineral balance is important is because minerals are like the foundational building blocks of the body. And... If those minerals are not actually up to par, you're going to struggle with your adrenals. You are going to struggle with your thyroid. I don't care how healthy you live at some point, it's, you're going to struggle. And when you start to see that there are these deficiencies in various minerals, like potassium is one of them, magnesium we know is one of them, uh, sodium, highly demonized, um, but very much needed by the human body to function um, and even calcium. But with that said, if calcium levels are incredibly elevated, like in the cases of like a thyroid, um, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism case, what we'll often see with minerals is that, uh, calcium is elevated and potassium is bottomed out. This essentially is like halting the thyroid. It like puts a break on the thyroid, um, meaning it slows it down because this is like known as a calcium shell. And oftentimes, we'll see this calcium shell that has been developed, sometimes even because of trauma. Um, We have to remember that the mind-body is very much connected, that things just didn't happen physically, like, you know, there could be emotional responses. And when we start to break down that calcium shell in practice, people start to, like, sometimes emotionally break down. We have to make sure that there are, you know resources set up for them that this could potentially happen. Other things that can drive up that calcium shell is copper toxicity. Copper toxicity and a host of other metals can absolutely affect the thyroid and we get copper toxicity from uh, drinking water. Um, I don't I can't speak for all over the world, but definitely in Toronto, a lot of our pipes are are copper. You know, there's a lot of lead in our pipes. Um, Lead also can absolutely affect your thyroid. There's lead even in your toothpaste you know, and lead is one of those things where it can store in the bones, trying to give it strength until you get older and you start to lose estrogen and testosterone and your bones break down and that lead liberates and becomes neurotoxic. Um, You know, mercury as well, a lot of heavy metals. So then the question becomes, how do I detox those heavy metals? I am not a big fan of chelation therapy. Um, And I say this with a very, very big uh, caveat in the sense that, If you try to push out heavy metals before those minerals are balanced, that person's going to get very ill because the body requires strength to detox. And remember, those minerals are a building block and a foundation. So you have to make sure that you're building them up. And once you do, the body goes, okay, I'm strong enough. I can start to like, you know, detox. You can start to see some of those heavy metals come up on a test, but only until they start to be balanced out. Because before they do, the body's like, you want me to detox? What? There's no way. I'm not strong enough. That's like you having like really bad news to tell me. But all of a sudden, I just like, I don't know, somebody in my family passed away and I'm like just destroyed over that. You're going to hold on until I'm strong enough to tell me that news because I can't take it right now. The body is no different.
0: That's an amazing explanation. (laughs) thank you just i'm letting that sink in
1: (laughs) but it's it's, you know these are the things that i think that people are always like i want to fix the thyroid like what caused the thyroid to go out of whack and stress like you got your gut heavy metals and minerals Mm -hmm. stress mental stress like please ladies get your butt to bed like if you're not sleeping you're you're going to want to eat everything in your fridge your thyroid is go- is never going to get better like it's yeah. one of the few things in life that are free just do it
0: yep yeah. it's often it's funny i often joke you know people will come to me for oh i want to lose weight i'm like sleep for 8 hours for a week and see how much weight you lose yeah. you know it's a free diet all you got to do is sleep eight hours. <laughs> you got going to sleep eight hours a night and you will see the cortisol level, like your pattern, the, yeah. the circadian rhythm of your cortisol will regulate. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're going to be less puffy. You're going to be less, um, less inflamed. So that's yeah. the free. That's the, you know, the free diet that I like to joke about.
1: Well, I always ask people, I say, so if, if you are in this mo- like if women come to me and they say, Oh my God, I'm so ugly. I'm so bad. Everything sucks. It's like inner critic is just like freaking out. Yeah. I always say, ask yourself one question, just one question. And that is, am I tired? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. It's, like, uh, really? I, I do that
0: too. I, I, do? I do that too. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the worst. I can't, the podcast is not doing as, I'm not doing enough in the world. Therefore I, I yeah. chose the wrong profession. Like everything yeah. is wrong.
1: I suck. Who am it, I to have, who am I to think that I could have this? hundred percent. I'm ugly. Too. I yeah. hate yeah. my butt. Like yeah. everything sucks. Oh my God. I'm getting jowls. Like whatever it is, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, just hold up a second. And I always remind myself, am I tired? Yeah. It's like cause if you ask yourself, yeah, maybe you're overreacting. Never ask yourself you're overreacting. Because you're like, no, I'm not. I'm justified to feel this way. But if sure. you ask yourself, am I tired? That's when mm. it's like, I am tired. Cool. Mm. Work on that then.
0: Right. Because never yeah. trust
1: your never trust your thoughts on a tired brain. Ever.
0: Do you ever see anything? with, you know, with Hashimoto's, do you ever see insulin dysregulation, insulin resistance, liver issues, glucose disposal issues, or, I mean, we're talking about gut dysfunction, which I want to get into the essential oils in a second, the HPA axis, which you've touched on with stress and sleep. Mm. Do you see issues with liver function and glucose regulation?
1: thousand percent. I think that if, if you have a thyroid issue, you have to look at your liver. There's no question. So when I'm like talking about gut health, I always have to remember to like to explain that I'm also talking about the liver as well, because it's so important to understand that, like, if you are not detoxifying efficiently, if you have sluggish bile flow, your bile is this, you know, fluid that's supposed to carry all these toxins and hormones. But when it's thick, because for, you know, women who have higher estrogen levels, for example, will have um, cholesterol deposits that will deposit into the bile, making it thicker. And when we're not actually eliminating all this toxicity from bile flow that that's in the bile, what we're going to end up seeing is this recirculation of all these toxins um, in the body that should actually, and hormones that should be eliminated. But yeah, this is, in, speaking from an insulin perspective, absolutely, this is the reason why we see so many women who have like um, insulin resistant form of PCOS, for example, will also subsequently have Hashimoto's. It's a very strong correlation as well. But the liver has to be worked on a thousand percent. And that's where I'm like, if you were stuffing your face with carbs every day, oh, I can't. I just love to emotionally eat. Oh my God. I just, I can't, I can't do without it. I'm like, you have full control over what you put in your pie hole. I will tell you that because if you feel that you don't, that you have to ask yourself, are you tired? It's literally one of the biggest questions a woman can ask herself: Is like, are you tired? Because if you're tired, your insulin levels will shoot up. Like you, you're. It's car. All I want to do is eat burgers, and I'm not talking with a lettuce wrap on it. Like I, I legitimately want to eat like the high priest here in Toronto, which has like the three layers of like you know bread in there because I want it. Right. But it's because I'm tired. So mm-hmm. when women are struggling with that, I'm like you. It to love your liver, you also have to really substantially reduce those those uh, carbohydrates as well.
0: We had uh, Jim Quick on the podcast, um, and mm. he had said one of the things he said, which I thought was so profound, if you continue to fight for your limitations, you get to keep them.
1: Ah, oh, That's a mic drop right there. Isn't that
0: great? Yeah. So I, uh, with that said, let's start on our geeky magic carpet ride with... <laughs> Essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the essential oils we've identified. You know, a, a couple of main areas that we want to focus on in terms okay. of gut uh, dysfunction, uh, co-infections there, stress, uh, glucose, and liver uh, liver function. Let's go through some of the essential oils that you found work, and if you would be so kind, also to be explaining as you have been the science behind them as well.
1: Yeah, I like I have um, like a thyroid. Um, bundle of oils that I always are like my go-to. And one of them is a formulation that I uh, mentioned just a a, a quick bit before, which is called DDR Prime. Mm -hmm. And DDR Prime has that lemongrass. And the reason why I like it, because it has that lemongrass, we know that that limonene, specifically in the lemongrass, has been really um, helpful against the fight against H. pylori, that bacteria that creates um, peptic ulcers. And this is, you know, H. pylori, if you might be like, I got a test from my doctor and it said that it was negative. I'll tell you this much right now that methodology matters. So your breath test or stool test, I've seen it come out negative for H. pylori from doctors. And then they've done our stool test, which is done through PCR DNA sequencing. I've seen a woman light up like a Christmas tree, not only for H. pylori, but all the virulence factors for H. pylori. So methodology does matter. Um, but lemongrass is very helpful for that. It also has frankincense in it. Um, and I love frankincense with a huge passion. Frankincense and wild orange, which is also in DDR prime actually been shown for, to promote a healthy response to free radicals. But frankincense in particular is really powerful. It's known as the king of, of essential oils. I think that if people have essential oils, this is one of those ones that are like, are like a, is a staple to have. Okay, what they brought, baby Jesus? No, exactly, <laughs> exactly, It's good enough for baby Jesus. It's <laughs> yeah. good enough for me.
0: <laughs> gold, what but, a gold frankincense and myrrh? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and myrrh is one of the other ones I love, which we'll get to. But mm-hmm. researcher, researchers actually found that frankincense helps to prevent the release of leukotrienes. And so, if people don't understand what that is, those are compounds that are associated with inflammation. So it's a massive anti-inflammatory. It has uh, an other, ter- uh, other constituents called terpenes in them. It has boswellic acids in it. Um, frankincense, you may also hear it from the, by the name of boswellia. But again, very strong anti-inflammatory compounds, which we need these anti-inflammatory compounds for our gut. Okay. The other, uh, speaking of anti-inflammatory that I love about frankincense, because I can go on a tirade about it.
0: Yeah, um, let's, go, let's go there.
1: But it's, it's, it's been shown from a like this wasn't an animal study, but they were a test tube animal study that shown that these boswellic acids were actually more effective than non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs.
0: So like Tylenol, aspirin, these kinds of things.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. With fewer negative side effects. So I love frankincense for that anti-inflammatory support. Now, you're also getting you know, some of that lemonade from the wild orange because it is a citrus oil. There is thyme also in DDR Prime. Um, thyme is really effective as an antibacterial. And the DDR Prime, I use it so much for Hashimoto's because of the gut and because of the liver. And when you have this citrus oil, like the lemongrass and the wild orange, are so powerful acting on uh, the liver for detoxification. It's one of the main reasons why that I use it. But it also has other essential oils like Summer Savory and Nioli, but it has clove. So clove is a very powerful oil. If you ever were to go to health store and you're getting like a gut um, a uh, gut formula, for example, it would probably have clove in it. Um, but clove is a very strong antiparasitic. Now with H pylori with um H. pylori, which is associated with Hashimoto's, um, oftentimes. What runs with H. pylori is blastocystis ominous, which is a a parasite that runs with it. Um, Another parasite that tends to, another protozoa that runs with it is another one called endolomax nana. And they're, you know, these long like dinosaur sounding names, like they should call them like Bob and Sarah or something, but they don't. Um, But clove is amazing as an antibacterial. But the other thing that I really dig uh, clove for is it is a powerful candida fighter um so these are all the all the the reasons why that i love uh, ddr prime and so i actually suggest that people take it internally and when they take it internally they would take like a couple of drops of it uh, after each main meal because it has that lemongrass sometimes you kind of feel that a bit of that repeat so that's why i always suggest people to take it with food so that's like the first the, the first one that I probably would say, oh, and before I go on you said with You a, dro-
0: a few drops of that, you said?
1: Yeah. I usually put it in a veggie cap. Um, doTERRA sells veggie caps. They're like 180 veggie caps for like four bucks. It's pretty cheap. So I just open it up. I put two drops of that in, close it up, and then I take it after each main meal. Um, each
0: meal. So if you're eating two to three times a day, you'd have two to three. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the thing that I also love, which we're going to talk a little bit more about when we get to myrrh um it does it does feel like a christmas special but <laughs> um is that when you have uh ddr prime the oils in it specifically frankincense is immunomodul. it helps to modulate the immune system and so that's really important for hashimoto's because we have to watch out for things that can stimulate or depress the immune system and and Hashimoto's in particular is a TH1 dominant condition. There's TH1 and TH2 in your system. And so we don't let's
0: explain. Let's explain that for the for the listener.
1: Yeah. So you have these aspects. I'm going to try to get as lame as possible here, but you have these aspects of your immune system. And when you and there are various conditions, autoimmune conditions, that are either TH1 or TH2 dominant. And you got to be a bit careful with this because if you're stimulating TH2, for example, um things like echinacea um can stimulate th1 even further and that can actually drive your Hashimoto's to go AWOL right and what a lot of people don't talk about in at least I don't I don't hear about it very much but Hashimoto flare-ups are very much a real thing I've had probably two in the time that I've had it where your symptoms essentially just become a lot worse like whatever your symptoms generally would be and I don't really feel like I have I don't feel like I'm symptomatic um but I definitely would feel symptomatic if I had a Hashimoto's flare-up. And that probably would be because one of those um, aspects of my immune system went out of whack, okay? The other thing that can throw your um, immune system out of whack is if it's fighting a gut bug. So when we do a retake um, stool test, what we'll end up seeing is sometimes the immune system's really low. And if the immune system is really low, then that could mean it just finished fighting something. So now it's like, it just finished battle right? It's, it's tired, it's exhausted, or it's in the process of fighting it where it could be like elevated. So sometimes that can drive up some uh, flare ups to happen as well.
0: Okay. So those are kind of the ones. Yeah. So back to your original comment, you said, uh, frankincense is very useful for th one dominant conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also really good for skin. You know, sometimes I I like oh my god, to, uh, and, so thi- <laughs> and people with thyroid they tend to have drier skin, right? So this is yes. also really nice to be putting in uh, in your moisturizer as well.
1: Yeah, they it's it's one of those things where after I'm done washing my face, frankincense goes on my skin mm-hmm. because it's also really great for wrinkles. It's great for scarring. If you cut yourself and you have a boo boo, you can put some frankincense on it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband was like. Doesn't love the smell of essential oils. He's like, oh, those stinky little bottles of oils. (laughs) And so when we were in Utah, he went climbing. And I don't know if you've ever seen those climbing shoes or like, they look like hooks. And so they're just really tight. They're really pro climber shoes. And so he had this cut on his, on his toe. And, you know, Eric has a pain tolerance that's pretty high. Like it takes a lot for him to complain. And he was limping and he's like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to go climbing. Like my foot really hurts. And so I said, can you please just let me put some frankincense on it? And I did. And I I was at the conference all day and I said, please just put this on like as much as possible throughout the day. He did. The next day he was totally fine. That's so amazing. it's yeah. a powerful vulnerary as well, which is like skin healing as well. So like scarring, um, like wrinkles, frankincense is freaking amazing burns. It's just it's just an amazing, amazing thing. I so. had
0: someone tell me once, it was a couple of years ago now, I had, um, a cyst in, uh, in my breast and it was, um, it was just, it was a hormonal cyst. There was nothing, you know, but my, I can't remember who had said it to me. like, you should put frankincense on your breasts every night. Yeah. And, uh, so I do that. I do that even still. Um, and I've never had, you know, the cyst has never come back and, a lot of women will complain about. I tend to just knowing my genomic profile. I tend to, uh, if I'm not working out, I'm very much uh, estrogen dominant. If I am working out, then it's it's much more balanced. Yeah. But- It used to be that my breasts would be incredibly tender leading up to very inflamed, very swollen. And I would know because my kids would come and cuddle me and I was like, "Uh, uh, please stay away. Um, But the frankincense really, really did help with uh, whether it's, you know, and again, you know, we're talking about this being a potent anti-inflammatory. So we know that the areola, of course, takes up nutrients. That's how, you know, your breast milk changes is that the the areola is sort of the sensor that, you know, takes in its environment. It's almost like the eyes of your breast, if you will.
1: Yeah, and that's the the DDR Prime. If you were using the frankincense, the DDR Prime is the one that I always tell women that if they do have fibrocystic breasts, to use mm-hmm. DDR Prime. It yeah. is the oil that I use for things that replicate. So even thyroid nodules, um, I will have women um, combine actually the three oils, my three thyroid oils, uh, DDR being one of them, mm-hmm. and actually making like a roller bottle for themselves, and then rolling it on their thyroid. Um, and that's really helpful because remember, it absorbs into the skin. So if you've got thyroid nodules or cysts, um, which are incredibly common, like so, so, so common. So actually adding that that onto there can be really helpful. Even if you have fibroids or ovarian cysts, adding that DDR prime um, with the carrier oil uh, for sure on the pelvic region can be incredibly beneficial.
0: Amazing. Let's move into. So we talked about DDR Prime. Uh, is there other oils that you want to? I want to talk about myrrh a little bit. I want to mm-hmm. talk about rose, uh, rose geranium as well. But you, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you in terms of where you want to go next for the thyroid in terms of oils.
1: Well, there's, there's three. So DDR Prime is one of them. Copaiba is the second one. Copaiba is or as my cousins would probably in Brazil would probably yell at me because it should be pronounced copaiba, but it's a highly inflammatory oil. Again, very needed, obviously for gut health. But the cool thing I love about um, copaiba is that it is really helpful for the adrenals because it stimulates those endocannabinoid two receptors, making it great for anxiety. So it's those same receptors that um, we see uh, in CBD, (sighs) So it's very soothing for the nervous system. Like if someone is struggling with anxiety um, and, you know, adrenals that are overactive, they're feeling super stressed out. We know that if there's going to be some adrenal strain, if there's the thyroid issue, Copaiba is one that I use. And I like to use it actually either I diffuse it, which is one way. Cause when I add Copaiba and I diffuse it, I can add many other essential oils and I just find it's a nice little base Or one of the ways that I use is I put a couple of drops um, on my tongue before I go to bed or even before I'm about to do like a presentation. If I'm about to stand up in front of a bunch of people, I use Copaiba because I just find it to be really, really, really helpful for like nervousness, anxiety, adrenal health.
0: So it has like a parasympathetic... Effect activation yeah. effect
1: yeah and that's really nice
0: too when we're thinking about thyroid health one of the things that blocks that T4 to T3 conversion is the cortisol so if it's mm-hmm. really helping your adrenals heal that would be appropriate
1: yeah and then we have myrrh and myrrh is like I love myrrh myrrh is um, is a very potent antiparasitic it's a potent candida fighter it's also a very potent mold killer nice. um, Mm -hmm. Mold. Yeah. So we're looking at black mold specifically is very much indicated in thyroid dysfunction. Um, So many people, including myself, have been um, um, exposed to black mold. Um, So if you've ever had like AC units in your window, those things tend to harbor black mold, um, black mold in your vents in an old home. Um, Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes it can be in the walls, but um, mold um, has been found in a lot of people who have thyroid issues to infiltrate the, the thyroid impeding its function. And so when you end up having that, uh, myrrh is a very potent uh, killer. And so if you've been exposed to black mold, one of the ways that I really also like to use uh, myrrh, even though I, I do use it internally, is I make like a little nasal wash. Hmm. And so it's like a little pump. I got this little pump on Amazon. And um, all I did was put about, you know, four drops of myrrh, not very much, you don't need very much in it four drops of myrrh, I put about a quarter of a teaspoon um, of baking soda in here and then some water. Okay. And then all I do is I just shake it up and then I just like, I blow my nose first and then I breathe in and I squirt it up my nose. And cause remember those black mold spores can be in your, your nasal passages. So I actually do this in the morning, every morning when I wake up. Um, before I end up doing breath work, because I'm a big fan of breath work.
0: Mm-hmm. And I just
1: find that it helps to clear my passages. And remember, some of them is trickling into your gut. Right. So it's right. not just staying in your nose and magically goes away. It's going to go into your gut.
0: Right. So and it's also going to be able to get in through the, into the bloodstream you know, via what we talked about before. Like It gets taken up through the olfactory bulb. And then once it enters into your lungs, it can pass through you know, to the alveoli and then from the alveoli into the bloodstream.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and so myrrh also helps to suppress the immune, the inflammation that can really mess up your immune system as well. So it's also a potent anti-inflammatory. Um, as I mentioned, it's an anti, it's an antifungal, but it's also antibacterial, antiparasitic. So all of those things we need for the gut. Um, but the thing that really separates it is that it's a, it's a black mold killer. So those are like my three thyroid oils and then i always say that like and we spoke about them earlier so i won't kind of go into them too much but um i always like to have those three and then i like to have my two favorite little adrenal oils which is like my cinnamon bark because it's so freaking delicious balances blood sugar you know uh, really great use a lot in chinese medicine um for our kidney chi but we think about adrenals in that respect and then grapefruit which i know that you I Obviously, love, love yeah. as well, mm-hmm. um, and it's just so great because you could just put those in your water and just drink them. But um, I know you mentioned rose and geranium, and I'm really big into the flower oils. Um, rose is a very, very powerful oil. It's not just good for scarring um, and blemishes, etc. But there is evidence and research evidence on PubMed, and you can look it up, that shows that it's actually a very potent. Um, candida and mold fighter, For specifically black mold. There's Aspergillus, um, and it, there's tons of research to actually suggest that, which is like pretty amazing. So that and like rose essential oil from DoTerra. They do make um, it in two forms. They make it in touch, which is with a fractionated coconut oil. I have it. Um, it's very expensive, but I have it because um, it's helpful against a lot of anti. Um, antibiotic resistant strains, but um mm. this is the the oil, but this can be used internally as well. Also helps to shunt cortisol.
0: Yeah, so. I'm very and some and this is why I'm loving this conversation because I am so attracted to certain scents and I don't necessarily know why. Rose is one of them.
1: Rose I, is Yeah.
0: And sometimes I will um I will put it in some water and spray it on my pillow.
1: Yeah. It's really helpful. Yeah. And it's so good for that, especially on your pillow, because it's so good for if your cortisol levels are going up. Like, for me, when I go to bed, it's I'm thinking about all kinds of things, even if it's stuff that doesn't matter. Um, right. Geranium is a powerful oil. I don't love the smell of geranium, but um, the reason why I, I still am friends with geranium is because <laughs> it helps to widen bile ducts, um, mm. which is pretty amazing. Because um, you if, if you... It's so amazing for digestive support. So, geranium. There's research to suggest that it actually aids the liver and the gallbladder. So we hear about a lot from like, like you know, oh, it could be good for your hormones. But I'm like, but why? And the reason why mm. is because it has an affinity for the liver and the gallbladder. But all the flower oils are like my favorites. Like right now, I am obsessed with magnolia. Mm. Um, magnolia is just a. It's. It's. I don't know. It's to me. It smells like candied what. What heaven would smell like if it was candied? (laughs) That makes sense, but it's so great to put your body in that parasympathetic nervous system uh, state to calm the body. Magnolia is amazing. Jasmine is a libido oil. Oh, jasmine! Um,
0: There's something about jasmine. I I don't know. I love. I I mean, I love jasmine tea, uh, but I love the scent. I love the scent of jasmine.
1: Yeah, they have a touch in doTERRA. Um, The company actually had gifted me with a pure jasmine oil, and I'd never smelled it. And I opened it up. And I was like, this smells like heaven. Mm. Like, it's so beautiful, but it is definitely does increase energy. And it is very much uh, associated with helping to boost libido uh, as well. So, you know, these oils are not just like, Yeah, a lot of them smell great. Some of them don't smell that great, but they're, they really are. We have to see the therapeutic qualities behind them. Like I have my biggest complaint right now about essential oils is that I just need a better organization system because they're everywhere in my home. Right. You know, I have them in my bathroom because I have rosemary in my bathroom. When I'm done showering, I actually get a couple of drops of rosemary, neat, and I put it and I massage it into my scalp. And the reason why is because rosemary, especially for someone who's got thyroid issues, you're always worrying about your hair. I think women generally worry about their hair, right? 100%. Like how much hair is falling out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, there was actually a study that was done to show the effectiveness of rosemary for hair growth against minoxidil. This is a medical solution that people use Rogaine, for hair growth,
0: essentially. Yeah, yeah. And yep. so
1: it actually showed that rosemary had like that the efficacy, that the the, the strength of rosemary the, the benefits of rosemary were as comparable if not more to benoxidil so I actually rub it on my scalp and also we've seen in research that rosemary helps to increase concentration so for me this is something I do in the morning because I even sometimes put a little bit of peppermint in there as well just to kind of like
0: that's the one I found for hair when I was doing my prep for this podcast it was yeah it was it helps with that antigen phase or prolonging the antigen phase of hair growth. Peppermint. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to link all rosemary. these studies. Sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to say we're going to link all to all these studies that you're saying. I have a list of them. <laughs> People what are probably
1: is? frantically writing.
0: Yeah. No, don't worry. <laughs> If you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to read this. I'm going to put these all in the show notes. Um, but peppermint was one of the, uh, I wanted to ask what you thought about peppermint in terms of, uh, whether it's thyroid or general health, in uh, general health, because it helps, at least from my research, it helps relax some of the smooth muscles of your intestines. I mm-hmm. texted you the other day mm-hmm. because I found that paper <laughs> on athletic performance. And guys, can I just, I wrote this down. One drop of peppermint on the tongue or in mineral water was associated with improved grip strength, vertical jump, standing long jump, visual and auditory reaction time, heart rate variability, both at five minutes and 60 minutes after use. Also improved lung capacity and blood lactate after 10 days of daily ingestion, carbohydrate metabolism increase, suggesting an increase in energetic production in muscle tissue.
1: I know. I know. What the hell? I know. It's crazy. Peppermint is, in is, it's, this is one of those staple oils. Like yeah. everyone needs a bottle of peppermint, right? You know, yeah. So even like if people were like okay I'm going to buy the thyroid oils they're great but I always try to teach people that like, there's some staples you should have in your home realistically that's one of them mm-hmm. um, there was also even a report that came out of the alternative medicine review journal that actually showed that peppermint essential oil had beneficial effect on the balance of gut bacteria in cases of sibo small intestinal bacterial overgrowth mm-hmm. um, so DoTerra makes, you know, the peppermint essential oil. They now uh, a new product that came out was enteric coated capsules, just in case people kind of start to get some repeat. So they have those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very helpful for like nausea, gas. Um, also, actually aids with bile flow as well. So if you look at a lot of um, bitters in a health food store, while some of them might have ginger. Some of them also have peppermint, and for good reason. It isn't just for that it helps to prevent flatulence, it also helps with, you know, bioflow. Very, mm. very important. So peppermint is phenomenal, but it's one of those things where um, I always find uh, if I can get woo-woo for a second, if I'm having this moment where I'm spiraling out, I actually use a bit of pepper. I use probably about one drop, maybe two, usually just one drop on my hand, less is more. I rub it and then I just I breathe in and I do that because what I find that it does is it pattern interrupts. So even if I'm switching gears, for example, from one project to the other, like, okay, I'm I'm writing and I have to switch gears and I'm like, sometimes it's kind of hard for me to do that, to have that same pace. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually get some peppermint essential oil. If I'm in a launch, peppermint essential oil is always always, always at my desk. Like that is, it's in my, it's, I've got it in my purse. I'll make roller bottles out of it, or you can buy the touch as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but great, especially if you're like traveling, you know, you're exhausted and you're tired and you're playing. So it's just, it's a staple.
0: And what about, is there any other ones I wanted to touch on? Lavender maybe to talk about, I, I feel lavender. Yeah. I use that a lot with my children at, at bedtime.
1: Lavender is a really, uh, beautiful essential oil. There is some research. It's not, if it, there's not a lot of it, but there's some to research it's effects on serotonin mm-hmm. um, levels. So for cases of like depression, um, it, it can help some people. It does obviously really help to put that body into in, your body into a parasympathetic state. So lavender can be really helpful. Very, uh, again, another staple oil because it's the oil that you use for burns. Um, very much. So also, um, that is an oil that I have used in hair masks. I've used that with rosemary. So when I'm doing a coconut oil hair mask and I wrap my hair up like in a hair wrap, I actually have lavender and rosemary. And you said
0: that? Tell me what, what is a hair mask?
1: So what I do is I, I warm up some coconut oil, not hot, obviously warm it up. And then, um, what I do is I add in, um, four drops of uh, rosemary and then four drops of lavender into that oil. And then I just start at the tips and then I work my way up until I get to my roots. And then I just make sure that I just like try to get as much as possible into my hair. And sometimes because I'm an extremist like yourself, I'll probably put a little bit more on my scalp and then I just like (laughs) massage it all in there Um, and get everywhere. Must get everywhere. And then I don't go to bed with it because I'm a pretty like restless sleeper. So my, my concern is that like my little, um, shower cap will come off. I look pretty ridiculous with it on, but, uh, I will just have a shower cap and then I just like watch TV. So I just like use it for like about an hour, maybe two hours or something as I'm doing stuff around the home. Mm-hmm. But, um, it is just, it's so powerful. Those two oils. Um, there's also another oil that I really like for energy to ward off energy vampires. Mm. <laughs> um, it's called petty grain, um, petty grain, Um, kind of smells is, is they've noted it as the, the, the poor man's neroli. Um, and I think it doesn't get enough credit, but you actually can put pettigrain and put it on your solar plexus chakra. If you feel like you're going to be going into a situation where you just know that there's some people who are just going to like try to suck your soul. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a really great oil to be using for that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, there's so many oils that I could like go off on a tirade about, um, like Yeah. Yeah, You love them. It's so obvious how much you love them.
0: Yeah. And just, I wanted to circle back to lavender for a minute because lavender, we, you know, you talked about some of the stress and the anxiety and the antidepressive effects. It's also when I was prepping and you may have come across this as well. Uh, it helps with, and it might be specifically the linalool that's in the lavender EO, but the, uh, it prevents, with, it prevents cognitive decline. So they were studying uh, Alzheimer's disease. And what they noted mm-hmm. was using, and I'll link the study in the show notes so you guys can take a look, but it reduced uh, oxidative stress. So it reduced something called superoxide dismutase. Uh, it protected uh, glutathione peroxidase, continued to suppress Nrf2, which is a, a pro-inflammatory pathway, and it upregulated BDNF, so brain-derived mm. neurotrophic factor. This is one of the things I always like. It's like the miracle grow for your brain, right? It keeps if there's an organ that you want in your body, big, thick, and juicy. It's your brain, right? That's
1: what I always and like. Lavender. <laughs> I kind of went really far with that last comment, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I always, I always like to get a laugh out of people there, but the lavender has been shown to help have these uh, cognitive you know, these protective effects. So I, um, I, I'm very impressed. I was very impressed with the breadth of literature around lavender.
1: It's also a powerful antifungal. So mm-hmm. when women have yeast infections, I'll tell them to get an organic tampon and soak it. And, and you have this organic tampon that doesn't have the applicator. Mm-hmm. You get some coconut oil, you melt it and put seven drops of la- uh, lavender in there put seven drops of tea tree oil in there, mix that up, soak the tampon, it won't expand because it's coconut oil, and Mm -hmm. put that in. Mm -hmm. You get a little tingle at first. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that's going to hurt you. And I'm telling you, this is the best way to get rid of a yeast infection from a topical as you're working on like the diet and the probiotics and stuff. But like from a a topical relief perspective, when you just want to like scratch your vagina to death, Mm This is, it's so powerful because lavender is also an antifungal.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it's so good.
0: That's great. I want to move into a little bit of rapid fire uh, on essential oils with you Um, just for fun, uh, just to kind of get the first thing that comes to your head. And um, if you had uh, your favorite, uh, what is your favorite essential oil for energy? Peppermint. And favorite essential oil for stress? Copaiba. Copaiba or copaiba for your cousin. Yeah. Downstairs. Yeah. They're
1: copaiba or maybe magnolia. Magnolia has been a big favorite of mine lately because it's so pretty. And essential oil for PMS or cramping. Ooh. Um, I wouldn't say an essential oil. It's a blend. It's called Clary Calm and it's a roller bottle. I always joke and tell people like tell women, every woman with a vagina needs one. <laughs> and my husband's every like, woman with a vagina. Yeah. Okay. And my yeah. husband's like, what? <laughs> But it's true. It <laughs> yep. works so freaking well. And even if you don't have your period anymore, you can rub it on your neck because it has such a calming effect to it as well.
0: Love that. Favorite carrier oil.
1: Probably fractionated coconut oil.
0: Fractionated coconut oil. What yeah. is the one EO that you use every day without fail?
1: Ooh. Um Right now it would be right, right now it would be magnolia, but it would either be that or even black spruce.
0: Okay. What is what is black spruce? We black spruce
1: is um, actually originated from the Boreal Forest um, in Canada. It was it originates in, well, they source it from Quebec, um, way, way up north in Quebec. And black spruce, the reason why I use it is mainly actually for an energetic perspective, although it has been shown to be effective for respiratory issues. A lot of the tree oils, like Douglas fir, um, are all really good for like respiratory issues because it's a tree right mm-hmm. um, but from an energetic perspective, it's very grounding, and I always find that um when I'm at a point in my life where i'm up leveling um sometimes I just get really nervous because I'm like, Oh my God, something's coming. Um, and my head just kind of spins out. I'll, I'll actually put some carrier oil on my feet before I go to bed. And I always put black spruce at the base of my feet because it really does ground. If I ever have those moments where, so that happens every single night. But if I do have those moments where I start to feel like, who am I to think that I could have this? Um, I will actually, or any fear I end up rubbing it on, um, my chest. Because thymus, right now- like
0: Your thymus activation almost, right? Yeah. Yeah, I rub right it there. on my
1: chest and it's like, I'm writing uh, my book now. I actually set fire to my old book idea, um, which is crazy because it took me like months of work to do. And I'm writing my my new book and it's been really hard emotionally writing it. And so I've been putting black spruce on my chest every single day. And it like it's like almost an immediate effect of like how, how great it makes me feel.
0: That's great. I love that. Yeah. What has been- the discovery about essential oils that has surprised you the most? It can be a specific oil, its effect, or your your experience with it.
1: Um, probably the stat that got me into it, which is that they're 70 times stronger than dried herb with multiple applications. Like for me, that was like that was the thing that that locked me into it. That I was like, if it's 70 times stronger than dried herbs, why haven't I been using it this whole time? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying that like this is like it's going to cure this. You know, I really think that this is just a part of your, your arsenal for sure. But when I found out just how potent and strong they actually can be, I was like, I can't even believe I haven't been including these in my world sooner.
0: Is there anything about essential oils that you've changed your mind about?
1: Um, Probably in the sense that I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it's about changing my mind about, I think it's more about, I don't think I realized to the degree of how much quality actually differs. Um, I don't think I- The
0: wild, wild west, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. So that's why with doTERRA, I've just, it's, it's, I understand it now. I get it. I get why people are s- raving fans of it. Like the repeat use of it is so high, and it's for a reason. The product speaks for itself. You get people to start using it, and understand how it's so powerful. Um, but the quality really, really, really does matter. Because when I smell other oils, I'm like, oh my god, this is like night and day.
0: Mm-hmm. What I what I appreciate about you, Melissa, is that you blend this clinical observation. So you've had you know this vast you know this opportunity to observe women and observe the the clinical application of the essential oils, but you also blend that with the available literature in terms of coming up with your protocols. So, um, I just love you. I think you're unapologetic about your, you know, your (laughs) skills, your findings, you know, what you love, what you don't love. And I just want to thank you for your time, for taking us on this uh, essential oil journey. I have learned so much.
1: Oh, good. I hope everybody feels inspired to try them out because they're amazing. Thank you so much.
0: And if people want to find you on the interwebs, where can we, where can I direct them?
1: Yeah. So if you want to find me and find out more about what I do, you can go to sexyfoodtherapy.com. Um, if you want to grab those three uh, thyroid oils, you can. You can just go to slash EO-thyroid. So like EO is for like essential oils. So mm. EO-thyroid. And you can get that, uh, those three oils and like the adrenal oils that I talked about. Um, and when you do end up getting that, actually, what I end up doing is I gift people with an hour consult with me where I actually help them understand how to take those oils, how to use them in different capacities. So they don't become a supp- like a, a supplement graveyard where they're just collecting dust. And you're wondering like, are these still good to take? Um, and you know, you get to understand like what the next 90 days for you will look like. And I'm always happy to look at anybody's like results that they've had from previous testing that they've had, um, but to really actually build out a 90-day plan that I would do over the phone. So that is available if they end up getting that thyroid rescue uh, trio that I had talked about um, with or without those two adrenal oils.
0: Amazing, thank you so yeah. much for your time, this is awesome.
1: Awesome, thanks. I hope you
0: enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who wanna continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, Visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship form and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.